everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, we are coming at you with the week of all weeks. Finally, it is here. The Big East tournament starts tomorrow as you are listening to this episode. We couldn't be more excited. We are so excited, especially about the episode today, because we have an incredible guest coming on to preview the entire tournament. Literally no stone is left unturned after this interview that you will listen to. But Pat, just setting the scene a little bit, Villanova dropped its final regular mm-hmm. season game of the year, 71-59 to UConn. Would have been nice momentum-wise to, to end the year with a flourish, but as we established many weeks, months ago, this was not a must-win situation for Villanova, so not the end of the world that they dropped this one against one of the better teams in the conference. A a rough performance for sure on Saturday, especially offensively. Things just never got going, and then UConn was able to hit the shots that they needed to uh, in order to come away with it at Wells Fargo. As you said, in my mind, I don't think this really changed things for the Cats because I think an at-large bid has been out of the question for them for a while, even with the stretch that they had gone on. So we all know what needs to happen. You got to win four games in four days at Madison Square Garden and cut down those nets if we want to see Villanova in the NCAA tournament. We flirted with the idea of it being anything else. But when it comes down to it, this is what it probably has always it's because we wanted uh, to believe. You wanted right. to believe that they, they could they get in as an at-large. They made it a possibility. They did. They, they certainly did. So looking back on the season, we're going to be spending a lot of time recapping the entire season when the season does come to a close at some point coming up in the future. But they finished with a winning record, 16-15 and 15 in the regular season, 10-10 and 10 in the Big East, which I actually think is what Ken Palm predicted before conference play started, and we kind of scoffed at that. Hmm. But... Kempom was right, as he always is. We love Kempom. 10 and 10. I think when you look back at some of our earlier episodes, very early in the season, some of the panic that was rising throughout the season, how do you feel about 10 and 10? I'm sure, I'm still not sure where I lay, to be totally honest with you. I'm still annoyed by 10 and 10 because I think this team is better than that. And uh, you just think of the DePaul and the, the Butler losses as the ones that really stand out for you. Uh, in it, I, I, I'm, God, we all wish that Justin Moore could have been here from the start of conference play and wonder how things would have changed. But even with that, you know, I, I think they had a couple extra wins. Villanova was not going to overtake some of the top end teams this year, regardless in things. The fact that they even clawed to 10 and 10 after uh, some of the stretches that they went through is probably a positive sign. So I think they made some steps this year, especially in conference play. Obviously, it's not how we wanted to see things play out. But what it's done is, at least as we go into the Big East tournament here, it hasn't set up the worst run-in at the Garden, but still obviously not an easy one. Yeah, so with that being said, we are going to give way to our fantastic interview with Matt St. Jean of The Road to the Garden. He is going to go down every single avenue that you could possibly think of We're so happy to have him on, and let's listen to that right now. All right, so we are now joined by Matt St. Jean, the co-founder of The Road to the Garden, the co-host of The Road to the Garden podcast. I was thinking today, the thought struck me that our first guest of the season was Tommy Godin, also from The Road to the Garden, (laughs) and our last guest of the season will be Matt St. Jean. So we're booking with Road to the Garden host, which I think is very emblematic of this season and our coverage of the Big East in general. But we're so glad you're here. Year has been like for you covering the Big East and a really exciting season that it was. And Providence guy, everybody that's listening knows my Providence roots. So I'm so happy to have somebody like you on to talk a little bit about the Friars. But thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've Ever since I listened to that episode with Tommy, I've been wanting to make an appearance. So I'm glad I could, glad I could jump on. Uh, this season has been a wild ride. Uh, Road to the Garden is the spinoff of the old SB Nation site, Big East Coast Bias. We got shut down about two months before the season started. So there's been a lot of chaos this year, just getting everything set up. But the season's been a a lot of fun figuring that out along the way. And I think it's the learning process of the season is always the most interesting thing to me, where you start to figure out who who teams are and how they match with the preseason expectations and the story that is Marquette this year, the story that has been UConn basketball, the story that has been Villanova basketball, all of these have been 
incredibly interesting all year long to follow. And, and Providence, a uh, pretty interesting season hmm. too, although, and not ending the regular season, <laughs> as I'm sure anybody would have wanted. A senior night to remember for the wrong reason uh, for for PC for for sure for what happened uh, over the weekend. But you know, you, you talk about road to the garden. And I think you guys have done an awesome job um, this year. I especially love listening to the late night recaps that you put out with the many many Big East games that go throughout the season. So if you are not familiar with Matt, Tommy, the whole crew over there, Ryan as well, um, please check them out because they are fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. We do uh, spend a lot of hours streaming this year. I think we oh, yeah. might be the only podcast that talks about every single Big East game, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, would love to hear a little bit about how you got your start, really, to, to where you are right now. Um, so tell tell everyone how uh, everything that uh, has kind of led into it. Yeah, I was a Providence College class of 2020. So same same year as you guys. And so freshmen signed up to do a radio show talking about sports. They said they had openings to do commentary for the basketball game. So I jumped on that, got to go to the Big East tournament as a freshman and picked up the lead color job covering Providence men's basketball on the radio and did that for the next three years of college. It all ended at Madison Square Garden when the <laughs> world ended and we were there for that and still still wanted to keep talking about the Friars, ended up starting a podcast talking about Providence with my former radio co-host Joe Howie and joined Big East Coast Bias to start writing about the whole conference and um, did that for a little bit. That folded. We switched over a road to the garden and I've kind of wind, widened my lens as the years have, have gone on here to cover the whole conference and not just Providence and look at all. At, it was 10, now 11 teams in the Big East and talk about what's going on. Yeah, I remember talking to Tommy about the prep that he did both of you ha- and all the people, I'm sure, having full-time jobs, finishing that, watching three, four, five Big East games <laughs> a night, and then recording for an hour or two after all those games end. So I can't even imagine what that prep looked like. Are you ready for the season to be over? Are you upset that it's over? Where's your your stress yes. level at this point? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be at MSG all week long, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to want to take a very long nap uh, yeah. once that is over. I think once the season's over, I might look to get away for a week and go on a little vacation. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend for having the patience to to be there for all of this. I'm very glad that she is willing to watch this much basketball with me. That's awesome. <laughs> As you reference in your Twitter bio, I mean, Tommy calls you a superhero, and I think you are um, with, with everything that you go through for all the content you guys pump out. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, I have the the dual monitor set up here in my office, and more often than not during the season, I got two basketball games on at the same time and just yeah. trying to absorb as much as I can. So cool. So cool. Yeah, it's the way you got to do it. Yeah. Especially with, I think, one of the more underrated storylines this season that people won't necessarily pinpoint right away is how good this conference has been despite Villanova's weakness mm-hmm. for the first yeah three months of the season just discarding the last season really so you mentioned Marquette a little bit um I thought you in the article that you put out on Monday with your power rankings you mentioned the the point differential and I thought that was fascinating of where teams or it wasn't point differential but like expectation differential it's the efficiency margin differential yeah thank you for Ken Palm it's like it's points against an average opponent on a neutral floor over a 100 possession game or something like that. I think that's what yeah. it equates So talk to. a little bit about that because it's basically the biggest surprises of the season, to put it in simplest terms. Yeah, which I think the funniest thing about that is that by just the absolute value of how much teams have changed compared to preseason expectations, the biggest surprise in the Big East is still Georgetown being as bad as the team has been. (laughs) They are the furthest (laughs) off from preseason expectations, which is kind of remarkable because that team actually got more talented in the transfer portal over the offseason. But yeah, the flip side of it being Marquette at the top. And I felt like I was higher on Marquette than a lot of people. And I still had them eighth in my preseason rankings. I don't think anybody saw this coming except, I guess, Tyler Kolick. Yeah. So uh, it's been fascinating to watch. And you mentioned like Jay Wright not being in the Big East anymore. Kind of this power vacuum of, all right, who's going to be the coach? Who's going to be the figurehead? And I think we've kind of emerged with five of them. Yeah. Shaka Smart is fantastic. We all know who Ed Cooley is as a leader. 
Greg McDermott has done fantastic stuff at Creighton, even if that's been maybe a little bit underwhelming this year. When you look at Sean Miller at Xavier, Dan Hurley at UConn, Big East has five teams with the potential to make noise in March at a minimum, and Villanova isn't one of them. The fact that the conference has turned it around has found such great coaches and leaders, people who are great leaders on and off the floor, too, I think is an important part of that for these guys, culture builders. That's what sustains success for a long long time. I'm not worried about any of those five programs really slipping at any point because of the coach. As long as the coach is there, I think they're going to be good, which makes life much more difficult for the mm-hmm. other six teams in the Big East. Yeah. And you can throw Shaheen Holloway in there playing with house money this year too. Yeah. And that Kyle Neptune to a, uh, to a point there too. I mean, it's his yeah. first year and he didn't get to pick the roster. So mm-hmm. no, very true. I, I love where you went with the coaches there. Cause when you, when you talk about the big East, you can't tell the story of the big East with all the historic coaches that have gone through, been through this conference over the years. And we've got a damn good crop right now. Uh, on top of it too. Now, of course, I know we'll we'll always go back to to the Massaminos, the Bayheims, the Patinos, on and on and on. But you look at the current crop from Shaka to McDermott to Miller to Cooley to Hurley. Um, there's so much coaching talent in there right now. It's no surprise that these teams are able to establish themselves because a lot of it really does trickle down from the top, and the top is so talented in this conference. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's important, too, is like, love him or hate him, everybody has an opinion on Dan Hurley. Mm -hmm. Love him or hate him, everybody has an opinion on Shaka Smart. Those are two Mm -hmm. guys who are very energetic and uh, annoying to play against if you're an opposing fan. That's for sure, just with the the way their teams play and the the way they're going to act on the court and all that. And that's great for the conference. You know, we, we talk about the great coaches of the history of the Big East. A lot of those guys weren't liked in their time. We talk about them because they played the villains so well. And the Big East has that too, which is um, this whole thing. We like it. We like the drama. We like the stories of sports. And oh, yeah. the Big East has that with the coaches too. It's not just the talent, which it makes it fun. That's well said. Yeah. All right. So speaking of coaches uh, and players themselves, this was award week. Over the past few days, the awards have come out for the All Big East Conference teams, uh, freshman of the year, coach of the year, player of the year will be coming out after we record this podcast and put it out. But I think for maybe the first time ever, at least in recent memory, there has been pretty unanimous support for the picks, which almost never happens. I really haven't seen a whole lot of backlash over snubs or, oh, this guy definitely should have been on the first team. Matt, do you feel the same way? We're not going to list off every single player. You can find it all over Twitter and on BigEast.com, pretty much every Big East publication. But generally, do you feel like the coaches got it right? Yeah. I mean, there's no – we're at the point where it's nitpicking of, like, did yeah. this guy deserve to be unanimous or not? Or should they have been second team or honorable mention? And I think there are good players that are left off the list. But you can't really argue that any of them should have been above the guys that were above them. Like, it's it's crazy. Uh, part of that, I think, is due to the talent in the Big East and the way the, the season settled out, too. It makes it a little bit easier to discern some of these things. And the fact that you kind of had two dominant big men all year. All right, you know who's going to be on the first team? You can't leave Joel Soriano off and then pick one of the other big men, and he's going to be on that second team. And... Uh, the guards too. I think what's crazy is the the first the preseason first team guards Jared Bynum and Posh Alexander. You're not finding them anywhere on the list when, yeah. I, when I was released. So and that's because I think there was a an open question as to who the good guards in the Big East were going to be before the year, and they mm-hmm. that question has been answered. We all know who oh, the yeah. good guys are, and it made it easy to fill this stuff out. I mean, you're splitting hairs between like whether or not Baylor Shireman should be higher or things like that. Like it's. Yeah, and it's not, it's not like the SEC where there's eight players on the first <laughs> team either. No, I, I think you nailed it too. It's tough to argue with anything. Even so, like you look at an Igodaro and a Soriano, and I think those are probably the most hard-pressed guys to find themselves on the second team. But can you put them ahead of a Sonogo, a Kalkbrenner, or a Hopkins? I, I'm not sure you can. So I think it's more of a, a product of the sheer talent that's in this conference here. Otherwise... As you said, it's really hard to argue. And for Villanova, just for us to to make that mention, Eric Dixon did make the all-conference second team. And then if we look to the all-freshman team, Mark Armstrong and Cam Whitmore did uh, join those squads. Yeah, my one thing, and of course the argument is you have to take somebody off if you're going to add somebody in. That's yep. the stump argument. You can't just say this mm-hmm. guy deserved to be there because you have to take somebody off, and that's the big issue. 
Cam Whitmore's uh, non-existence on the first or second team, do you think that's more so because of performance or the fact that he missed the first seven games of the season with that injury? I think it's injury, and I think it's just inconsistency. Cam Whitmore is a fantastic player, but a lot of it happens in flashes, in spurts, and he's, I don't know, he's... I guess you could make a comparison to a guy like an Andre Jackson in that regard to Andre Jackson is a guy who also has the talent and the ability to be first team all big East just didn't do it consistently enough. He also missed time. Um, Cam Whitmore weren't going to be a lottery pick and he were going to stick around next season. I'd be betting a lot of money on him being hmm. first team all big East. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. The slow start. I think that all adds into it too. I just think talent wise, He's probably more raw talented than a lot, almost maybe all the guys listed. It's just that inconsistency. I feel the same. If, if, if we're talking talent for the best players in the Big East, yep. probably what he and, and Bryce Hopkins as the mm. top two guys. And Hopkins is basically a redshirt freshman with the lack of experience he got at Kentucky. He's older. He has more college experience than Whitmore. And I think you see that in just the difference in production between the two players. It's not a slight on, on Whitmore at all. Great. Uh, yeah, I agree. Obviously, it took him a little bit of time to get going here. He did play in uh, the entirety of conference play, but it, it was still slow for him at the beginning. Inconsistencies there. I have no problem with him not making either of those teams. He's in the running for Big East Freshman of the Year. He certainly may win that on Wednesday. You know, with, between him, Klingon, I really like the season AJ Store put together, but I don't think he's going to take home that award. Um, so I think Cam's still going to get honored in, in some way. He at least is on the freshman team, but for me, it wasn't enough to make uh, second team. And he and he and Caravan were both unanimous selections for the the all freshman team. I think top freshman is going to be one of them. Flip a coin on who yeah, it's going to end up being. They both have really good arguments for it, and I don't think you can go wrong with the pick. No, I don't either. Yeah, it feels like those three awards: coach, player, freshman of the year have have kind of uh, lengthened themselves a little bit. You, Shaka Smart has kind of run away with it. I felt like. Tyler Kolick ran away with it as Marquette got better and better down the stretch and picked up some some key wins. Really, that win over Creighton on the road, I think, sealed it for him. And Alex Caravan's consistency over the course of the season, again, the talent point that we just mentioned. You give the tick in the box of Whitmore there, but Caravan did it for the entire season. So those are my mm-hmm. three picks there. Yeah, and we just we actually just talked about this on the Road to the Garden podcast. And we we broke out this whole discussion. I picked Caravan, Tommy picked with more uh chris the dingo who comes on tommy? our show shocking yeah, i know <laughs> we love it tommy yeah. <laughs> yeah um chris picked cam whitmore we broke down the whole discussion it's basically which do you value more the, the splashes and the impact we saw from cam whitmore or i think the in-season development of alex caravan um i think whitmore is more important for villanova in some ways because mm-hmm. he's the most talented player on the team by a wide margin, yeah. but Caravan plays a role and it's just, I don't know. It's a style thing. Which one do you prefer from your player? Certainly as we looking forward for, for when that award comes out, shifting our look then to the bracket, which potential matchup or matchup on Thursday are you most looking forward to? I have a feeling I know what your answer is going yeah. to be based on your history, but it gives you an opportunity just to go in for it. I mean, there there isn't really a better matchup that day yeah. than Providence UConn, and there's some other ones I'm really looking forward to on Thursday. Even some sleepers that day that I think could be interesting. But Providence UConn is a historic rivalry in the Big East. They haven't played in the Big East tournament since 1998. First time in my lifetime they're going to meet in the Big East tournament, which is crazy. And you know, it's the two fan bases that are close. You know, there's going to be a lot of fans there. It's going to be a great environment. Dan Hurley and Ned Cooley have a history, too, from when Dan Hurley was at URI. So uh, it's two fan bases that don't like each other, two teams that don't like each other. And neither game between the two this season was close. We had a 12-point Providence win in Providence. Uh, they don't, uh, so I think it was nearly a 20-point UConn win. I don't remember what the actual margin ended up being when they played uh, at UConn. So I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen, but I think we're all very interested to see what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was I, a lot of weird shaking out, but that was the matchup we all thought was going to happen. And then Providence was looking really good into the three, and now they're the five. <laughs> and for yeah. Villanova fans, I'm psyched that one of them is going to knock each other out because I don't really want to yeah. play either of them. Yeah. Shakes out nicely for the Wildcats, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I like the actual timing of it with being the 2.30 game too because the noon – 
I've been there many times. It can be a little sleepy in terms of atmosphere for it. People still getting ready. You got to get into the garden early. 2.30. I think people are going to be geared up. You've got two East Coast-based fan bases, two of the larger, more raucous fan bases as well in the conference. We know the rivalry that goes into it. Um, and, and talent-wise, I, I think the matchup's awesome. I cannot wait for the UConn-Providence game on Thursday yeah. afternoon. And there's something special about it being like the 2:30 game on a weekday too. Yeah. Like that feels like a March Madness game. It does. Like you, you just you just see big basketball in that time slot, and you hear the CBS theme song playing in your head. <laughs> I know this is all on Fox, but <laughs> <laughs> almost CBS time. <laughs> almost, almost. No, that's cool. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really get into it here, and I'm gonna give you kind of yeah, kind of it. a lengthy question here, but. During the season, the top five of the conference really emerged and separated themselves. Providence and Villanova have both made it a little closer as we got down the stretch here. But Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, UConn, Providence is how it finished out, those top five. Of the five, which do you think has the biggest weakness that any opponent is going to try and exploit the most? I mean, after this past weekend, I think it's Providence's defense. Mm-hmm. is the first like I mean they had they gave up the best offensive performance that Seton Hall's had all season without Seton Hall's best offensive player so yeah but the flip side of that is this is not the Providence defense we saw for most of the season if the team kind of gets itself back together I don't think we see that defense on Thursday I think that's an open question as to what team we're going to see but it's tough I think every single one of these teams kind of has a, a killer weakness and so it makes this tournament so interesting because there's I don't think there's any shot that the four teams playing on Friday are the one, two, three and four seeds mm-hmm. because every one of them has a weakness. I don't know which team it's going to be that gets upset. Creighton has depth issues and we've seen the issues with Ryan Kalkbrenner trying to guard on the outside. We might yep. have a Creighton Villanova matchup with Villanova trying to expose that yet again. You got a Xavier team that is lacking depth right now. No Zach Fremantle and We've seen Xavier can be the best team in the Big East when it wants to be, and then they'll drop some games that they just should not. Xavier might play a DePaul team that it lost to in the first round. DePaul gets through That's Seton true. Hall there. The Seton Hall team that just looked better the last time the last time it played. So I don't think it's a guarantee that Xavier even gets out of that game. And Marquette here, I think, has a brutal draw in that the Golden Eagles have to play a team they just played this past week, whether it's Butler or St. John's. And then they are, they're either going to have to play a Providence team that just managed to beat UConn or a UConn team that has played like a top four team in the country for three out of the four months of the year. And Marquette has issues with rebounding. I think it's a St. John's team that can take advantage of that. I think it's UConn, a Providence team that can take advantage of that. So we'll see. And UConn, I mean, do you get the team from January or do you get one of the other months out of them? Who knows? So what yeah. you're saying is we have a great conference and this should be a fun game, <laughs> um, this week. That's very, I just wanted to say that I spent about 20 minutes researching my own question and you just said all of that <laughs> off the top of your head. So very, very well done. But that's why I asked it. I agree with you that this is probably the worst one seed that you could draw in years. Oh, yeah. That is yeah. painful on that side of the bracket. But yeah. again, you listed off everything I was going to say. And that's why I asked it because every team can Which, be had. Yeah. Every team has had one of those type of losses. That's just shocking is there one that sticks out to you pat the the biggest team that you think people are going to circle and try and go after well you kind of went in my question my next question was going to be which of those top four seeds do you think is the first one to lose in it um i'll answer my own question then and it'll kind of go into to what you guys are going with and this leads into a little bit how i'm thinking for this tournament i do think villanova gets past creighton on Thursday night. I think they beat Georgetown and I'm very, very curious to see how things, I think it's a brutal draw for Creighton to get put into the three to go against Villanova. Now it was going to be rough for them anywhere. Cause they were most likely going to have to draw UConn. Uh, right. You know, of course, Providence is in there as well, dependent on seating. So it, it's just not a great place to be. Uh, but I, we saw what Nova can do to Creighton at Wells Fargo when they really played chess with with them while Nova was on offense even when Nova went out to Omaha this year they put in a pretty decent performance and made things close on them we know the depth can be a problem for Creighton now I think Creighton is going to come out and not allow Villanova to completely just move Kalkbrenner everywhere it that would be inexcusable for them to be able to do so a second straight game but I think Nova provides enough matchup issues that if I had to pick of the top part of the conference I think that's the toughest one 
and it just happens to align with the fact we're doing a state of the Nova Nation podcast that I think yeah, Villanova funny. is a team that can pull hmm. it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I felt a little bit differently because I mm-hmm. we agreed, Pat, that that Creighton game, that Creighton Villanova game was McDermott's worst coach game of the season by yes. far. Like yes. leaps and bounds worse than anything else we'd see all season long. And because it happened so recently, I'm nervous that everything is going into that game plan I to prevent too. what happened to Eric Dixon. They 31 points, yeah. six for eight from three. I think that was the line. Kalkbrenner's not going to get in foul trouble like he did last time. They're not going to move him up to the three-point line like they did last time. It's going to take a lot of different things. But as Creighton, you're probably happy because I don't think you want to play UConn. No. They're the best team in the yeah. conference right now. So you're you're flipping coins at this point. Yeah, no, I, when I was doing my bracket, I, I don't know if you guys have seen me fidgeting over here. I have a coin in my hand because I was flipping <laughs> it to, to make some of these predictions because yeah. you really can do anything mm-hmm. with these. Uh, and that's it. like, I was doing a little bit of research last night and looking at some previous champions to kind of figure out, okay, what was what were they like before the Big East tournament? How hot were they coming in? Here, I, I did this trivia time on our Rose to the Garden show. I'll do it with you guys nice. to see if you can remember it. Going into last year's Big East tournament, which Big East team had the longest winning streak? Ooh, going into last year's? Yeah. Was it Providence? No. No, Providence's last game was against Villanova. Oh, <laughs> God, that's right. Was it Creighton? Creighton lost his last game against St. John's. I was going to guess St. John's, but I pulled back on it. Yeah. <laughs> it it was Seton Hall. Seton Hall had wow. won five in a row. Was Seton Hall interesting? Yeah, it was one of those things. You look back, and it's well, yeah, they were they were hot going into the tournament, but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I also look at last year. Providence beat the doors off Creighton to win the regular season title at the end of the year, and then Creighton returned the favor two weeks later yeah. at the Garden, less than that two weeks later. Beating, yeah, yeah, yeah. and hey, Villanova guys, you know. The Villanova Seton Hall go back a couple of years. They met at the end of the regular season. Seton Hall won it. You go to the Big East Championship. Villanova takes that one. Mm. So I'm not sure how much the regular season meeting will actually end up mattering, assuming we do see Creighton and Villanova play in that one. And like I, I picked Creighton to win the Big East tournament this year. I would be. I think they can do it. If they lose to Villanova, it won't surprise me. They do. <laughs> I just don't know. Do it absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you're also if you're looking at it from a gambling perspective, the odds there Creighton's going to get a Villanova team that it already beat this year, and likely a Xavier team that it has beaten this year, and all those teams have split. If those are the three best teams on that side of the bracket, they've all split with one another. Yeah, I think you'd be shocked if it, if the top four seats make it, like you said. But if it's like Seton Hall, St. John's, I'm also oh okay, yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> Shocking, but not my jaw's not on the floor because we've seen <laughs> no. flashes of all these teams being capable of beating up the better teams on paper. I at least it, I think the only teams we're probably pretty convinced are out of this right now are what, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown. Georgetown. Yep. Yeah. I still don't believe St. John's can put it all together in a stretch, but they but the first game's against they, Butler, so they should exactly, get exactly, exactly. So add to to your point, um, there, there's a lot of variability going into this. Yeah. Uh, just to mention it explicitly, I know you said Fremantle is out for the season. How big of a deal is that for Xavier? And flipping it for Nova specifically, yeah, Villanova beat this team sans Fremantle plus Justin Moore. That 64-63 yeah. win, that, mm-hmm. that big win of the season. So yeah. how big of a deal is it for Xavier's defense to miss somebody like Fremantle down in the post and also their offense? Opposing teams have been able to really take advantage of Jack Nunji by himself down there. Yeah. Well, you go back to the Big East honors. I think if Zach Fremantle doesn't get hurt, he's almost definitely on first or second team with the way he's been producing this year. If there were a comeback player of the year award and we were including just general performance and not just injury with Justin Moore, I think Zach Fremantle is the guy who does it the way he's bounced back from last year. He's been incredibly impressive. It's an offensive threat. You can knock down threes. He doesn't shoot the three a lot, but he hit like 60-something percent of his threes this year. So missing that is really tough for Xavier. Flip side is we've seen the Xavier team still get some big wins. And I think the interesting matchup is just Xavier's offense against Villanova's defense. Without Fremantle, they have to work a little bit harder. Villanova's defense has turned a corner and become very good recently. And... That, I think, is where uh, that matchup, that hypothetical matchup, would be decided. Jerome Hunter's a, a massive defensive upgrade for Xavier when he's out there, but 
I think you, you see that matchup play out, and I think you're going to end up with a low-scoring game that's probably going to be decided on if the other guys for Xavier can actually hit some shots and make that offense work. We saw it happen twice against Providence. I'm not sure how much stock we're putting into how any offense plays against Providence's hmm. defense right now with how that unit has looked. So I think it's a Xavier team that is well-equipped to win the Big East title if they keep playing the way that they have. They've been a top 10 team in the country by the metrics over the last two or three weeks. And what I think that span includes that loss to Villanova. So I, who yeah. knows? <laughs> You can use this mantra for every single team in the conference, really, but Xavier has so many different ways to beat you. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like Sule Boom had a particularly good game against Villanova. I think he made at least three threes, but I'm just, it's yeah. imprinted in my mind the wide open threes that he missed. And that could have, that game could have been easily swung either way by a few more made shots on that end. So Villanova's defense is going to have to be incredibly tough Colby Jones coming off the performance that he had against Providence too every guy steps up you mentioned Jerome Hunter who's been fantastic too they can all do it all of them can do it and that's that's really tough and Xavier's weakness this year has been the inability for the defense to win games when the offense doesn't show up yes yeah and that's that's the thing that makes Xavier so hard to predict because let's say well that would be the the late game on a Friday night if they meet in the Big East tournament Mm -hmm. yep let's say you get UConn playing in the early window and you get a lot of UConn fans there and UConn loses and you end up with a quieter building for the late night slot. All right, a quiet late night game on a Friday night, but Xavier shooters just might not show up for that in a, in a neutral environment, quiet building, different sight lines than usual, all that. And now, okay, well, is their defense going to actually win them a game for the first time this year? I, I'm not putting money on that finally happening in March when it hasn't happened the first four months. Mm. Yeah, the atmosphere would be really interesting for Friday night because say it does turn into Xavier Nova. We know the crowd will be very pro Nova um, just based on how Nova Nation travels to that. Xavier Creighton would be a kind of a weird late Friday night game at Madison Square Garden. Now, as Big East junkies, all of us, I would love it. And I think it'd be a, a blast to to watch. But, you know, it's not the it's it wouldn't be Providence. It wouldn't be Villanova. It wouldn't be UConn. It wouldn't be St. John's there. So it's it just it's an interesting dynamic. And as you said, it doesn't it won't have the juice that um you know a Xavier playing at Centos would certainly have so something to watch out for yeah and this is I will say this is a Creighton fan base that does travel well yes, that's something that enough. has always impressed me at the garden uh, I remember the first ever game I covered at MSG was Providence Creighton in 2017 in the first round and it was about 50 50 Providence Creighton fans which was very mind-blowing at the time yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anybody that's yeah, if anybody that's not in the of the teams not in the immediate New York City area, Creighton fans travel the best. They came to the title game last year. I was blown away by how many Creighton fans were. There the was a good chunk. I remember year. that, yeah. and it's it, so, to, to match point two. It's to a lot of them because I remember walking around the garden and you see a lot of blue and white um, uh, yeah. around there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the Big East. You're going to see a lot of blue and white. That's no true. Matter. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Only, so there's only two teams. What? Yeah, two teams in the Big East that don't don't have blue and white <laughs> only one team in the biggies doesn't wear blue oh you've i was gonna save this for the end but now you went into it perfectly i have to talk about the biggies uniform records <laughs> that that you do and it is one of my favorite things out there what inspired you to do it and have you had fun keeping track of, of all the different records at, by uniform for each team oh yeah it's a blast yeah. so i'm uh one of my like niche hobbies i love sports logos and uniforms i've been I got I got a laptop for Christmas when I was a kid. And one of the first things I did was find a forum online just dedicated to talking about this stuff. And ever since, it's just like a little obsession of mine. But there's a website out there called the Gridiron Uniform Database that documents the uniforms worn in every NFL game going back to like the 1920s. It's oh crazy extensive. And I was like, hey, I don't have anything like that for, for the Big East. So let me do it. I started doing it. And I actually, I had somebody from Xavier's athletic staff reach out to me to be like, Hey, you have our font wrong. Let me send you the file. So you have the right font for, for it. That <laughs> I is love so that. cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was a pretty cool moment. People love it. And I think it's, I think it's fun to track. And I actually, at some point, I think once we get into the off season and things slow down, I want to do a bracket for best uniform in the big East to this oh, year. That'll so get so oh, yeah. much pull. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll seed them all by the record that teams yes. had in them and we'll just have the fans vote and see which which uniform teams like the most i'm i'm curious which which uniforms do you guys like around the I conference like the, 
I like the Villanova's pitch blue. I think those dark dark black it looks like with the white blue lettering is so cool. Yeah, for the Nova specific, I I so I like the eighty five throwbacks around the conference. I like some of the ones that Seton Hall throws out there, um, with with the different blues and grays that that they can do. The Providence, the Providence, excuse me, the Creighton pink out, um, that that they fully do is like one of my favorite games to to watch every year. There's so many good ones uh, across the conference for for the person that keeps them all together. What's what are your favorites? <laughs> Oh, I'm a, as a Providence guy, the the black throwbacks were always a favorite mm-hmm. of mine. I love Yukon's white throwbacks with the the old Connecticut yes, on the front, one. which I do think we're actually getting both of those uniforms against one another on Thursday. I think oh, that's nice. what it's looking for. Perfection. Be. Yeah, I'm loving that. I love Marquette's gold. Yes. Um, I like Marquette's gold and I like the St. John's red just because they stand out in a conference with a lot of like navy blue. It's nice to have something different. And the Villanova pitch blues got to see him in person for the first time this year. And they look, I think they look so much better in person than on TV. Mm. They look fantastic. You can tell that it's blue in person. I think on screen, yeah. I think it looks black, but in person you, you can tell that it's, it's just really, really dark blue. The number of hours that I spent comparing pictures of different Villanova uniforms, trying to figure out what was black and what was blue. It, way too much time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I, I have you here, but I yeah. do have a question. The throwbacks, is that mm-hmm. black and yellow or navy blue and yellow? Oh, uh, I don't know. Because I think it's black. As far I as think I it's black, tell, too. Black. I think it's black, too. Wait, I have it in my tracker. I say I haven't seen it up close in a couple years. Um, It it feels black. That's the 1970s throwback that, that you're referring to that they'll bust out well, every now and then. Well, there's there's two use the dark throwback and the light one. Mm-hmm. So oh, and that's why because in some of the pictures in the light throwback the numbers look navy blue and not black and I'm like do you have one throwback that's blue and yellow and one that's black and yellow? You're, you're more of an expert than us. Yeah, obviously. Saying, you're, you're, you're getting us on the colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. the up. other thing is if the other thing is if you can't tell what's the point, right? Also that. Um. So yeah. that that's a fair point to go off of. No, that's and, a nice little uh niche as you yeah. mentioned that's a cool <laughs> a cool way to get people involved it's fun to do i enjoy yeah. it i hopefully i'll turn it into something bigger for next season too it was impromptu in an excel sheet this year so maybe i'll figure something better for next season nice. we're looking forward to it emma you had a question i was gonna go into predictions if you have nothing else that's basically where i was going to so let's do it all right I'm so down. you mentioned you mentioned uh creighton right matt yeah, I already gave my. It's spoiled the whole thing. Already. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. double down on it. Tell us why in in simple terms here. Uh, a part of it, I I just kind of like the matchups there. I think Greg McDermott's a really good coach. I think they're a good team, and it's a villain again. If Villanova beat him, it wouldn't surprise me at mm-hmm. all. But I think the teams are very evenly matched. So flip a coin on what's going to happen, and I like the Creighton team that we've seen. In my bracket, I actually had Seton Hall making it through to Friday. Oh, wow. And then we'll playing, yeah, Seton Hall over Xavier. You know, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I feel like I feel like every pick that I've seen is either UConn Xavier or UConn Villanova in the championship game, and I wanted to shake things up a bit. So uh, I had that, and then if we get Creighton Seton Hall on Friday, I don't think that would be particularly close. I think Creighton takes that one, so that gets them there. The other side of the bracket, I have I have St. John's beating Marquette. It was not not sorry, not beating Marquette, beating Butler, and then giving Marquette a close game. I have Providence over UConn again because I feel like everybody is picking UConn yeah. and like UConn's the better team, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're going to win. And I did I did some research earlier on this. I think every Ed Cooley loss, I think all but one Ed Cooley loss by 24 points or more, which was the margin on Saturday since the new Big East formed has been followed up by a win. Like they always bounce back from those, including one in the Big East tournament last year. They went and won in the NCAA tournament and they lost to Marquette last season and immediately bounced back and won. So if the team has emotional fortitude, I think they'll bounce back and it's again, flip a coin on that one. And then if it's Providence Marquette, if Providence is playing well enough to beat UConn, I think they're playing well enough to beat Marquette. I have the Providence Creighton, rematch of the first big east championship that we had in the new big east but with creighton coming out on top i don't know if we can even follow that up pat i know i i can't go (laughs) (laughs) no that's so extensive i i I love it i it's wild uconn's ride this season that Mm -hmm. storyline narrative people were so in they were so out i picked them when they were on that stretch because i still felt like 
when they had it all together and going, yeah. I'm not sure there's a more talented team in the conference. So that's still my pick. I know that it's popular and trendy now, which I don't like as much, but it's yeah. the worst team to draw. I, f- I feel like that's the yeah. unanimous pick. Marquette is crazy good, but I would feel more as a Villanova fan, I would feel more confident playing them than I would UConn. And I think that's mm-hmm. just an ode to being the best team. If nobody wants to play you. And that's how UConn feels as the four seed in yep. the conference. Yeah. Totally. Which is it's crazy. Which I I want to jump in for a second here too. We talked about this on the, our last show about who has the on the road to the garden show about who has the best path or like most favorable and least favorable paths in this. And I said most favorable relative to stuff is Providence. And Tommy said that's the least favorable. And I think you can look at it in either way because if Providence ends up on the other side of the bracket, they're looking at mm-hmm. a path that's going to involve. Probably Seton Hall and Xavier as the first couple teams, two teams that they had struggled with this year and just lost to Villanova team that they beat twice. But I'm not sure if that's going to happen a third time. Lots of tough matchups. They beat UConn this year. They beat Marquette this year. They beat Butler twice. They beat St. John's this year. And I think there's a coaching advantage there in theory, at least for Cooley over Hurley, just based on the history of the two going against each other. So yeah, I think there's that. But at the same time, like you said, UConn's playing the best basketball in the conference. I don't think anybody voluntarily wants to play them. No, no, that's all relative. No. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, it's all relative based on how you feel your team is going to stack up. So, Emma, you have UConn in the title game winning yeah. it. And who are they playing? You have to pick Villanova, right? I think Villanova can beat Xavier Friday night. Wow. You've said not only Friday night, you've got them winning Thursday night too. I think they can beat Creighton, even though Mm -hmm. I said it, I think it's going to be tougher than a lot of people think. I think Villanova can eke out one against Creighton. And I think without Fremantle, if Fremantle was in, I would have had Xavier, but I'm going to say UConn over Villanova. But before you pick Pat, I hate to to put you, leave you in suspense and every, all of our listeners in suspense here, (laughs) but as someone who's not, as in Villanova, as Pat and I are, like we're so kind of with the blinders on here. Does Villanova at all fall into the UConn category that we've talked about all episode? The momentum that they've had over the last month or so. Are teams as afraid to play Villanova as we hope they are? I think it's hard to tell because there's a mm-hmm. mystique around the name. Right. Um, that I, I, you know, I'll say I have experience here in another sport as a Patriots fan. In the 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 first season after Tom Brady left, there were a lot of games where it was, "Hey, you still got the Patriots logo and uniform, and everybody wants to beat you, but you don't have the talent to back that up." So you end up getting every team's best shot, mm-hmm. and you just can't match that night in and night out. Which I think Villanova, you look at the DePaul loss for Villanova; it's just. It's a lot of pent up energy for DePaul finally coming out after all that time. And it's just that happens when you drop from being an A plus to a B plus mm-hmm. in a season. I think Villanova does have that still, especially because there's good players, very experienced players. I think the issue for Villanova right now is Villanova is playing as well as anybody in the top tier in the conference and not better. And because of how good the top tier is, it's it, this isn't like last season where yeah Villanova felt like the best team coming into the tournament and then played like the best team for all of the Big East tournament except a half of basketball against St. John's. Mm. So that's scary half though. Scary half. Very <laughs> still scarred. Very <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so that's why it's it's not one of those where Villanova is going to be favored and everything. It's going to be Villanova is a coin flip and everything. They're yeah. as good as everybody. And sometimes he gets three heads in a row or four mm-hmm. heads in a row. It's what it would be here for Villanova. Um, and you end up winning it. Sometimes you, you comes up tails this, the first time. And it's, it's unfortunate. Villanova seasons at the point where one shot against Creighton on a Thursday could determine the whole season. Mm-hmm. It is so true. Um, and I think that's a, a huge intriguing point for for everyone going into this. Um, I have the boring but not often picked. Um, I'm going one two. I've got a Marquette Xavier final. None um, of us have Marquette. That's that's, that's such I, that's, a mistake. And that's I know. why I'm picking I Marquette because yeah. I feel yeah. many people are overlooking them, understanding that there is a UConn and a Providence on their side of the bracket. I look at the body of work that they've put together all season long, and I'm just so ridiculously impressed with what Shock has done there. So I'm hoping for a Marquette-UConn rubber match in, on Friday night to, to decide the series. And then 
I have, listen, I picked them in November. I must say, you know, I'm going to pick them now. I picked Xavier to win this thing back then. So I, I'm going to stick with it. Even without Fremantle, I think this is Sule boom week. I know all oh. of us who follow the conference a ton know how good this guy is. If you are not introduced to him, you're going to see him this week. He's averaging 20 points per game over his last six. I, I think X cuts down the nets. So I think that title game gives you two teams that have never won a Big East tournament before, which is, would be pretty fun. And I have Xavier winning the first one. Yeah. Sean Miller like doing it all in, in year one would be insane. But that that this that's prediction segment summed up the entire conference per- perfectly. I had the trendy pick in UConn who's playing their best basketball of, of late. Matt has the best coach potentially in the conference of great coaches like experienced team, little depth. And then Pat has the team that was actually the best team in the conference. Maybe, maybe the best team in the conference. It's more of me being get stubborn. overlooked. Yeah, yeah. of course. Because I picked them in November. Yeah, that. I can't change yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah. But just well, one so th- many yeah. ways, so many ways this could go. Yeah. One thing I will say about Marquette that I think makes them really difficult here is that they kind of have a unique style of playing. And it's day after day after day, which means you're relying on any prep you had previously done for them. Like you're not going to get any extra prep really to play Marquette. And these teams all know Marquette. I think Marquette has more of an advantage in an NCAA tournament environment because of this. But I mean, that team passes so well, plays offense so well. Does anybody want to be the defense that has to go up against that on the less than 24 hours rest with no practice in time? Like, which is, I mean, I picked Providence to come out of that side of the bracket in mind, but I also look at Providence's defense and the communication issues mm-hmm. it has had against an offense like that. And it's like, yeah, it's Marquette could blow them out. And it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so it sounds like we all have Villanova going to the national invitation tournament that uh, <laughs> if, they, if they will not be, be cutting down the nets on Saturday. And then Matt, we have one more question for you before we let you go, because I feel like we would be remiss mm-hmm. to mention this. A question came in from the Jerome Hunter fan club. So with you being on honorary mention, because otherwise we're going to hit the questions um, after you, because you have given us plenty of time. <laughs> Was Jerome Hunter not winning Big East six man award, the biggest steal in the history of robberies? No. And I, we, we also talked about this on the road to the garden <laughs> podcast, because he's in the chat asking, uh, my answer to that is no, because he became a starter at the end of the season. <laughs> if he was a, if he was a sixth man, then yeah, but he he's the sixth man of the year. But he didn't he wasn't that guy for a full quarter of the season there, and especially the the last quarter. I think it's tough. Uh, and he's a, he's a starter quality player. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think it's funny. David Joplin won that award with little fanfare. He's been yeah. really good this I, season. That's where I was going to say is that also David Joplin's a stud. Um, mm-hmm. So not not a bad pick. Um, to, to yeah, Marquette's Marquette's got six starters. Xavier's the team that has six starters when everybody's healthy. Um, I think those two are huge. I don't think UConn quite has that. UConn has depth, but they don't have a starter caliber guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. Villanova, maybe. I mean, how many how many deep does Villanova really play at this point now that Justin Moore and Jordan Longino are fully healthy? Seven, you feel the most comfortable with with Mark and and Jordan Longino, but that's probably where the comfort level stops. Yeah, I, I think eight, I think Arch is going to play. Meaningful he minutes. is going to play. Yeah. I meant he's a comfortable though. Yeah, com- comfortability. <laughs> yeah. Well, Longino is kind of a sixth starter in yeah, some ways. He gives you really good issue. minutes. Yeah. And one of the issue for Villanova, I think, is you got six starters. You got as much depth as any team up there. You just don't have that guy. They don't have Sule Boom or no. Tyler Kolek or a guard like that. This team misses Colin Gillespie, and of course it does. He was the, the best player in the Big East last year by a pretty wide margin. I And I think that was the thing that struck me watching the Villanova-UConn game on Saturday was a couple open shots that Justin Moore missed. And it's mm-hmm. not a knock on him. It's just, hey, Colin Gillespie hits those shots. He's that mm-hmm. guy that's going to make that. And it's tough to replace him. Yeah, even, it's, a, it's what if this season. Yeah. yeah. Jay, Jay, the losing Jay Wright is what gets all the, the fanfare when you talk about Villanova. And I feel like people don't talk about the fact that Colin Gillespie was so good mm-hmm. and isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We have mentioned that many times, along with Jermaine <laughs> Samuels and the, the do everything role that he did. There, there was a lot of transition there for Villanova. So while I think they can be dangerous and cause a little bit of noise here at the Piggies tournament, the conference is so good. It's such a hill to climb with them playing on Wednesday. So they got to do four wins in four nights. It's a, it's a tough ask. It's but... not not as much of a hill Wednesday night, but yeah, it's still a game you got to see it for. <laughs> yeah, yes. seriously. Hey, no, you could I... be uh, you could be the answer to a trivia question. Who was no. uh, was the last game 
No, oh, yes. To, okay. No. I thought, no, no. I thought you were going to say who did Georgetown beat at the Big East tournament. No, no. <laughs> no. Be, who Please, is the, no. The, yes. last, the last game Patrick Ewing ever ever coached? That could be uh, That could would be, be nice. Answer, so. not only I think I most think people would appreciate that, be, that, actually. I think that's what it will be. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Villanova is just one in five against Georgetown in the Big East tournament all time. Oof. I had to I had to double check that a couple times looking at it. Of course, most of those come. I think there was yeah. back to back 07, 08 or 08, 09 pair of losses and then i think one in the 90s one in the 80s mm-hmm. 180s 170s something like that so most of that's old from when georgetown was georgetown yeah yeah exactly so uh, i think all of nova nation's hoping that'll move to two and five uh, pleading mm-hmm. that that will go to two and five <laughs> if it doesn't tonight. i'm not even sure about nationally invited at that point uh, yeah uh, no it's over it's over at that <laughs> point but well, this but- Go yeah, Matt, it. thank you so much for coming on. I was just my, my last comment here is I think this conference has been lauded for its big man play all season long, but I think we're going to see some serious guard action here in the Big East tournament. That's, You've done yeah. such a good job highlighting all of those big players. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, hey, it seems like every team has a good big man. So the differentiator is what can you do on the wings? What can you do in yeah. the guard room? Absolutely. And we will see it all play out Wednesday through Saturday. But Matt, Thank you so much for coming on. Tell everyone where they can hear more of you, read more of you, so they can stay up to date with you. Well, I write and talk over at Road to the Garden. Uh, That's at Road to the Garden on Twitter with the number two in there. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt St. Dream, M-A-T-T-S-T-D-R-E-A-M. I'm assuming there's not going to be a lot of listeners here that want to listen to Providence-specific content, (laughs) but if you do, there's the Flex Hoops, where I do a podcast covering the Friars, and if there's any Patriots listeners, I do a podcast. Uh, well, it's, it's formerly for Pat's pulpit. SB Nation has cut down on some of the podcast stuff. So we're moving somewhere else now, but I will be continuing that. So any of those places you can find me and uh, yeah, co- cover the whole Big East. So if you want a wide angle lens on what's going on at the conference with a little bit of a Providence bias, then I'm your spot. My mom's all in for that. She's going to be psyched listening to this. <laughs> Perfect, but obviously runs the gamut. We appreciate the time you spent with us here, and let's have an awesome week at the Garden. Thanks for having me. So once again, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Pat and I were blown away the entire time about how much knowledge he had on the Big East Conference, current and past, obviously. But I just I keep coming back to it. I was laughing to myself the entire time because the the big takeaway for me is that nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. Because something could happen that could totally shock everybody, but you shouldn't really be that shocked. Or if it does end up being one, two, like you said, Marquette Marquette Creighton, that would be kind of what I think too. Yeah. As you saw a lot of, a lot of variance in the finals that all three of us gave and in our champions. So um, it, it really does display how talented this conference is top to bottom and, and the amount of things that could happen as we go into the week. Yeah, I'm so excited. Pat and I will be there. Tommy mentioned early last week, I believe, that he'll be covering the whole tournament with, with Matt, Matt yeah. for Road to the Garden. Eugene will be there. There's going to be a whole lot of representation. Chris Notaro even mentioned if Villanova makes a run, he might make his way up. Come so, on out, Chris. Full 40 squad will be there. There's going to be a lot, and, and hopefully for a long Villanova run here. I can't wait. We can only hope. I, I know we both had it. Uh, well, you had them getting a Saturday. Um, I'm I'm confident. It's or... gonna be it's gonna be a risky pick. If it, if it happens, I'll be really happy with myself. If it doesn't, I just think they've done enough to prove that they can hang. And so often in these games, it comes down to to one shot. We know that Villanova is gonna play it close with anybody that they play, but I just think they have the chance without Zach Fremantle to to make some magic happen. And I, I do believe in UConn on the other side. If they get to Saturday, anything can happen. The, the question is, uh, can they – they should be able to get past Georgetown. That's why we're not focusing on it that much. Creighton, as we discussed, is, I think they're going to make some big adjustments, and this is not going to be the same Creighton team you saw at Wells Fargo, uh, what, just about two weeks ago. And, you know, a, a very difficult potential matchup if they were able to get past Creighton against Xavier or who knows, maybe a Seton Hall. So uh, yeah. it, it's a tough run-in for sure, but – and we know the cats have put together some momentum over the last month. Does that carry over over the next couple of days? Yeah. To put it simply, to state the obvious here, Villanova is going to have to play its best basketball this season to go mm-hmm. up against the two and three in the conference. It's no easy task. I think they're capable of it. If it doesn't end up happening that way, again, nobody's going to be stunned. But 
You, you know me, Pat. I'm trying to be positive. I'm, I'm like painting it. the spin here. Not that you're being particularly negative. I at said all. they'd beat Creighton. Yeah. I didn't say it was a it was a one and done for them. So I I think we no, look at that as we, baby we steps both for me. Some optimism here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hundred percent. You've been good all season long, actually. To give you some credit here, you you've been you've been positive, optimistic, especially as Villanova went on that run there, six of seven. I think spirits you, were high for us. You hear that, Tommy? I'm not always the Grim Reaper. <laughs> also though before, before so cool. we get into the question shout out to matt also class of 2020 always always got yeah. to respect yeah it was like a, a kindred soul there we, we were finding a lot of similarities were him, with him and i love that we bookended with road to the garden that was oh, completely perfect. unintentional those, those guys so are great yeah, yeah no so so super exciting so we asked matt a lot of questions we asked you guys for questions and you delivered with some and that's how we're going to wrap up this show here our first question comes in from jared and it refers to kind of kyle neptune and the offense he refers to kyle neptune often discussing how they don't really worry about offense and making shots but then discusses kind of how this team can go stagnant at times do you believe it's more of they don't they don't have to focus on on trying to fix things on offense and the game will just flow to them and if the shots fall the shots fall or do you think there's more of an issue with it yeah, I kind of feel like this whole point originated when Villanova's defense was the problem. Mm-hmm. And as the defense has gotten better, it's been able to win games for them. So now people are finding another thing to focus on. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or the wrong thing to do. It's the obvious next step because the defense has shored up some serious issues and now we can worry about the offense that's you know that's a very mm-hmm. logical thing to do sure but yeah it, there's obviously a, a, di- a dichotomy there we we've we've languished about the lack of assists all season long especially when you compare them to a team like Xavier or Creighton or Marquette who lead the team who lead the conference in assists per game it's going to be difficult when it comes down to it these guys are either going to make their shots or they're not against UConn they didn't make their shots and they looked terrible against Creighton you saw them look the best they have all season so unfortunately Mm -hmm. I think it's going to just come down to how good they are shooting that night I don't think it is realistic to think that the game plan is going to change for the last potentially four games of the season it's a very real concern it's one I've voiced many times this season that the ball just hasn't moved enough for Villanova on offense and that was the case on Saturday it is certainly something to pinpoint as they go into the tournament and say can they run this offense in a way that puts them in better positions to make shots rather than forcing them into the very difficult jumpers that for stretches of the season we've seen this offense settle for so i yeah i do think it goes further than just off they fall they fall that they need to work on finding ways to Mm -hmm. put themselves in some better spots yeah i guess my the to further that point it's just Mm -hmm. that we're not going to see them shoot less threes just because the looks probably not. They haven't, they haven't done that all season long. Probably not. A question comes in from Nick, which we probably answered, but here you go. Uh, can the cats be in contention for an at large bid without winning at all? If so, how far do they need to go? Nope. Win it all or nothing. It is all or nothing. They have to be all in and cut down that net on Saturday. Yep. Otherwise uh, you will not be seeing them in the NCAA tournament. Question comes in from Danner Zone. Do you think the end of season performance and going to rope in a a potential Big East tournament run will affect Neptune's ability to recruit next season? This is a really good question, actually. And it it made me think because I think you can attribute this run to Justin Moore's return and the full health of Villanova if you're doing that then you're saying that when Villanova struggled, it was because Neptune wasn't working with his full roster at full health. That sounds like a very logical thing to think. It's obviously not so easy to do when we're in the midst of it. So I think my hopeful answer is that it shouldn't matter. It's nice to see Villanova have some success. Obviously winning cures everything. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that the portal would have been pretty robust anyway, because I still believe in the Villanova brand and you know, we can go back and forth about the recruiting this year, but I'm also hopeful that that will pick up just as Neptune establishes himself in the college basketball sphere. I think the the winning season, if that's how the record does end up now, there's no guarantee of it, of course, with how games play out, but they should end over 500 certainly helps to be able to point that they were still able to do that. You know, you can look at some of the wins they were able to pull out toward towards the end of the season here and say, OK, you know, they, they do have it in them 
So yeah, I, I think it can impact and play in a little bit. I'm not sure how much because still with recruiting, it's all about, is this a good fit for the player and the program moving forward? But what at least this shows what they've done lately is it's not as if this is an absolute dumpster fire of a situation that you're going into. And it never was, though some people may have made you believe that if you read their comments on Twitter. Totally. <laughs> but um, I think that's the the key thing is to show that there, there is some growth here. This is Villanova. This is a program that is very well established. I think they're going to be OK regardless, but the end of season push helps a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And also, regardless of the coach, they're still finding the perfect culture fit personality fit key in the cog as opposed to the superstar that's going to lead the team that's never Mm -hmm. going to be Villanova's way regardless of who's the coach of the team absolutely and we finish things up as always with our man Jerry Quinn three questions from Jerry who needs to step up and play better for Nova basketball to play on Saturday at the Big East Championship feels like a different guy every single time right Pat you take this one first I'm passing to you Caleb Daniels, Caleb Daniels, Caleb Daniels. Uh, they they need him to break out of this funk. We saw some signs of life, and then it was another rough one against UConn on Saturday. They need him to be smart on defense. They need him to give them a three-point outlet to be able to hit some of those shots, and they need him to not turn the ball over. I, I think Caleb is going to be really key here. If Villanova is to go on a run, I need to see improved play from him because they need that supplement and that extra push from him. Yeah, I think that's the big answer there. I think saying Brandon Slater offensively, at least at this point, is, is probably oh, a ship that has that, sailed. I, I would agree. I don't, I'm not saying this because he's been playing bad of late. I actually think it's exactly the opposite. But I'm going to predict that Mark Armstrong is going to go for the hat trick here against Georgetown the third time out. Let's get a little a little momentum going for him here that hopefully he can carry into Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Let's take it all the way <laughs> for Mark. And, of course, it's going to be ignited by Georgetown because that's the best basketball he's played all season. I love it. You know, this is a very pro Mark Armstrong podcast. So yep. all, all four. Question two, what time are you both showing up at Stout on Thursday? Oh, he knows. I went to American Whiskey last year. We both did. We both did. We both went to American. It was good. I liked it there. It was good. My friend Kelly and I, to this day, take credit for opening that. We went to that bar randomly and ended up turning into a Villanova bar. Everybody showed up there. That was where a huge Villanova grads our year went there, too. So I might be going back there. But you, you obviously have to make an appearance at Stout. Yes, and even with that, uh, when I went to American Whiskey, I came from Stout um, to from to Stout. Meet you I there. remember that. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. With, with some of my crew, so yeah. Well, I'm sure we will be at Stout at some point. We will just be around the garden. Uh, I took off from work on Thursday and Friday, so just to get the full Big oh, yeah. East tournament experience. So I am quite excited, and I'm sure I'm going to get to see um, plenty of you guys there. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, and then third question. New York City recommendations as he brings his aunt to her first Big East tournament. I hope his aunt isn't trying New York pizza for the first time, because (laughs) if that's the case, Jerry and I are going to have to take it out to a side room to discuss some options. But I'm just as excited for New York pizza as I think I am to watch basketball over this next week. So those are the spots that I'm looking out. Did you have anything specific in mind, Pat? Well, I mean, the the most important thing is just that it's the first Big East tournament. So just enjoy Madison Square Garden so and the, the oh beauty of it, especially yeah. as they've redone it over the last, what, five, ten years. Um, it is absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous uh, and state-of-the-art now. Um, you know, if you're looking for pizza, me personally, to not start a war with you being on here, I love John's either in Times Square or Bleecker Street um, are, are two phenomenal places to go grab a slice uh you want to be a little touristy in new york you know there's always the empire state building central park things like that so uh, you just really need to step out on the streets and you get to fully experience new york by by looking up and seeing the gravity of that situation and the magnitude that that city brings so uh it'll be awesome yeah i hope the weather's good i actually haven't checked i hope we get some sun maybe we can hope some warm weather like we've had over the past few days that would be nice uh, I, this is underrated, and I know how spoiled I sound saying this, but I'm actually really excited to watch Villanova play Georgetown on Wednesday in person because I think it's going to be a little bit lesser of a crowd. I got better seats than I ever could have dreamed of getting on a Friday or Saturday, which is go. what we're used to for Villanova. So, of course, I would have preferred Villanova to not be the sixth seed, but to see them play on Wednesday, I'm actually 
pretty excited. I'm going to be closer. Like I said, I feel like I'm going to get more of the, the MSG experience. And then after that, it's going to be on the grind Villanova, just getting as many wins as they can. That's the hope. It's going to be an awesome, awesome trip. I can't wait to, uh, to make the pilgrimage back to New York uh, later this oh, yeah. week and, and then into Manhattan for, for the big East tournament. So it's our favorite time of year. It's the big East tournament is personally my favorite sporting event to attend in person every single year. Uh, this is going to be awesome. The atmosphere is going to be great. And Villanova has got a tall task in front of us, but we all know what they have to do. So uh, the, the stage is set. It's the best stage in the world to be on. Let's play some basketball. I'm getting chills just hearing you talk about it. The days are long, the weeks are long, but the season flies by. We're all we're already here. The regular season is done, and this is this is where it counts. All or nothing. Going off of Nick's question, all or nothing. All or nothing here. They've got to go out and do it. It starts starts Wednesday. I'm sure they'll be preaching all week long that it's one game, one possession at a time, because that's Villanova basketball, Pat. We're gonna finally see it on Wednesday night and see what they can do. This is March. We are here. We're here. We are here. And before we fully wrap this thing up, uh, shout out to the Villanova women who take on UConn women in the Big East championship game on Monday night. While we record this, we do not know the result of this game, but we know that Denise Dillon has taken the squad to back-to-back Big East tournament title games for the first time since I believe it's 86-87. Might be 85-86, but I think it's 86-87. We know she's done a wonderful job. Maddie scored 37 uh, against Creighton on Sunday night in the semifinal go cats and take home a biggies title. Well, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. We, we scheduling wise, we weren't able to, to make both happen, <laughs> but yeah, when this comes out, we'll, we'll obviously know the, uh, the outcome, but what a season regardless, they move up to 10, which is their highest yep. ranking also in however many years, just a wonderful, wonderful season. Regardless of what happens, they're going dancing. And so can't wait oh, yeah. to follow them uh, through this as well. With but, big expectations. With yes. way big expectations. Like you said, number 10 team in the country right now. Yeah. And the National Player of the Year. We will. We are on the, all on that hype train. But all, all right. right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow the show on Spotify. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod. This is, as planned, our only show for the week, so we wanted to give you a big long one here for the Big East Tournament preview. Hope as many of you as possible get to New York and get to the Garden for what will be an amazing week as always. Hope to see some of you guys there as well. We will be back at it at some point to see if Villanova can make a run at Nova Nation. <laughs>